Hello, everybody. Good morning, and I hope you're having a great day. I hope you and your loved ones had a wonderful Easter and a wonderful opening weekend of baseball. Man, oh man, was it fun for me. I ended up going to the Angels game on, see, the opener on Thursday, and I got to go to the game on Saturday night, which was fireworks night, and Sunday afternoon, or actually it was Sunday evening. The Angels went 3-0 and in the three games I was at. I think it took... The last time fans can go to a game, which was in 2019, I think it probably took me a month before I saw three victories. So it was a a much better start to the season for me, a much better start for the Angels. And it's just so great that baseball is back. So let's get right into it today. Uh, We have a lot to talk about. Want to make sure we have time for everything. And I wanted to mention before we do get started, uh, I had mentioned on the last show that I want you guys to be part of the show. I I want to have this interactive, not just on social media, but I would love to have you guys call in. And I wanted to start a new segment called Fair or Foul. Um, unfortunately, I didn't hear from anybody in the last couple of days that wanted to come on air. So we're not going to have that Fair or Foul on air segment today. But uh, I would love to do that with you guys. So I just wanted to remind you again. I'll also bring it up at the end of the show. Please let me know what you think about this show. Give me your opinions. Tell me what you like, what you don't like. And uh, again, just be interactive with me. My Twitter is at Podcaster Bobby B. And if you're trying to get me on Instagram, it is ATD with Bobby B. Please uh, interact with me there or, uh, you know, Instagram or Twitter. I would love to have you guys. Um, interactive and bring you on the show. We're going to have an interview with one of our uh, uh, angel, uh, former angel staff members here soon. Uh, That which should be fun. We're hoping to have that in the next week. And we'll be talking uh, a lot of baseball, not just angel baseball, but uh, we'll we'll be, we'll be talking uh, all about baseball. And he uh, he used to host uh, angels talk as well a few years back. So a lot of knowledge there should be a lot of fun. But let's get right into it. We're going to talk about the biggest game of the weekend, and that was the Angels-White Sox Sunday night game, which was on Easter Sunday. Shohei Otani started his first game of 2020, and it was also the first time that Shohei Otani had ever hit on the same or was in the starting lineup on the same day that he pitched. And I got some really cool facts that I thought you guys might like to hear. First off, the Angels won Sunday night's game with a walk-off three-run homer by uh, Jared Walsh. The Angels won seven to four. They took three out of four over the weekend from the Chicago White Sox. Uh, The Angels just would not give up uh, at all this weekend. If they fell behind, they came back. They seemed to really... Uh, have a niche for that big hit and and they were getting him at all the right times uh, over the weekend so here's seven amazing facts regarding Shohei Otani's Sunday night game at the big a so fact number one in this game Shohei Otani threw 101 miles an hour and he hit a homer 115.2 miles per hour which by the way that ball traveled 451 feet. 
any of those numbers individually would be notable for a player in a game, but for the same player to do it, do that in the same game, that is pretty unheard of. And indeed it was just the 40th team game in the Statcast era where there was both 115 mile an hour plus batted ball and a hundred mile an hour plus pitch thrown from any player on that team. According to research from ML or by MLB.com's manager of research and development, Jason Bernard, Otani became the first player with 110 mile an hour batted ball and 100 plus mile an hour pitch in the same game since StatCast started in 2015. There had been nine instances where lower uh, exit velocity uh, of uh, 105 miles an hour or less occurred, and that occurred with Noah Syndergaard eight different times, and believe it or not, one time with the closer, Aroldis Chapman. Uh, the second fun fact of the night for Shohei Otani, prior to Otani on Sunday, only one pitcher had thrown a 100-mile-an-hour pitch. Well, you know what? I don't know why I'm giving you that fun fact again. The The answer is still Noah Syndergaard. Uh, don't know why that's on there twice, but let's go to let's go to number three. Uh, Otani threw nine pitches at 100 miles an hour, the second most by an angel starter in a game in the pitch tracking era, which started in 2008. And believe it or not, he's trailing only Irvin Santana, who threw 10 such pitches back on June 25th, 2008. Um, you know, it's funny. I don't remember uh, Irvin Santana throwing that hard. But uh, he is the only pitcher that's thrown more 100-mile-an-hour pitches uh, in a game than Shohei Otani. Uh, stat number four, he topped out. Shohei topped out at 101.1, tying for the fastest pitch of his career. That's also the fastest pitch thrown by a starter this year. It's e And it's an even more impressive pitch velocity reading when you consider that Otani's 115.2-mile-an-hour homer was also the hardest-hit long ball so far in the 2021 season. Um, obviously we're only four days in, but you're not going to see that happen too often. So that was really cool. Uh, stat number five, given that Otani's produced both the 101 mile an hour pitch and the 115 mile an hour Homer in the same game, leading all participants in the contest in each category. This was the 11th instance where the same pitcher had the hardest thrown pitch and the hardest hit batted ball in the same game since 2015 when the stat cast started. And uh, the last pitcher, of course, as we mentioned, was Noah Syndergaard. Uh, number six, Shohei Otani wasn't just the uh, wasn't just the fastest of the year. It was also the hardest hit batted ball by a pitcher in Statcast history, surpassing the 112.5 mile an hour home run from Madison Bumgarner in 2017. It's also the hardest hit home run by any Angels player since 2015 when when uh, Statcast started again Otani 115.2 breaking Mike Trout's record of 115.0 and last but not least the Statcast implications are clear but it's worth noting there's history here that goes back prior to 2015 when he homered Otani became the first American League starting pitcher to homer against an AL team since Rorick Harrison on the final day of the 1972 season and the final regular season day without a designated hitter in the junior circuit. He also became the first starting pitcher since at least 1901 with a home run batting first or second of the game. So some really, really cool stats uh, for Shohei Otani um, from Sunday night's game. 
speaking of Sunday night's game, it was a really, really interesting night. So so Shohei Otani had a three, uh, a three to nothing lead going into the fifth inning. And uh, they the uh, White Sox got an early run in the inning and then things got really, really weird after that. So, again, the Angels with the lead going into the fifth inning, obviously uh, the White Sox, excuse me, the Angels needed three outs from Otani or Otani did to get the victory. So the, the White Sox get an early run. It's now three to one in the fifth. And Otani starts getting a little bit wild, uh, throws a couple walks in there. Uh, but then gets out of trouble. So he thought with a strikeout to end the top of the fifth. Unfortunately, the ball got away from Max Stassi and his throw to first was wild. That allowed a run to come in to make it three to two. Uh, Fletcher then gets the ball relayed in from the right fielder, Langaris, and then Fletcher airmails one over home plate off the backstop, which allows the game tying run to come in, which is Jose Abreu and Jose Abreu slides into home. Of course, where Shohei Otani is backing up the play at home and he slides into Otani and then knocks Otani down on the ground. And for a few moments there, uh, got a little scary. Otani was laying flat on his back, uh, but he got up and uh, actually gave Abreu a little pat on the butt he did limp off the field. He was not able to get that third out. So Otani did not get credit for the win tonight as he left the game in a 3-3 tie. He did only get charged with the one earned run. So the final line on Otani, four and two-thirds, allowed just two hits, one earned run. But he did walk five and he struck out seven. Um Kind of just a weird scenario that broke out there. But Otani's okay. The Angels reported after the game tonight that uh, he is he's all right and is expected to make his next start. They are going to give him uh, the next game off uh, just to give him a little breather since he started the first four games. And then Rossiel Iglesias, uh, he made an errant throw to third base tonight. In his outing, I really just kind of rushed it and it caused another unearned run to come in, which so that was, I see four unearned runs tonight or three unearned runs tonight for the White Sox uh, in this game. And Iglesias uh, ends up getting a blown save, but then picks up the victory as the angels bailed him out with the three run walk off Homer in the bottom of the ninth. So lots of fun times uh, at the big a over the weekend. Again, the angels take three out of four uh, taking a look at uh, some of the, uh, the hitters here through the first four games, Fletcher's hitting 313, Otani with a two home run weekend, uh, Mike Trout's hitting 333, Rendon, a little slow start at 200, Jared Walsh on fire, four ribbies in Sunday night's game and two home runs. So he's got his average at 500 in the two games he's played. Upton's at 250, but he had a big, big Go ahead, Homer, to win the game Saturday night. And then he had another big RBI in the Sunday night game. Uh, Ingl uh, Inglacius, uh, the shortstop for the Angels, uh, incredible defense. So it's been a really good weekend for the Angels. Again, taking three out of four from a very good team. And also uh, Mercedes uh, on the White Sox. What a start he had to the week. Uh, he was, I believe, seven or seven or eight of his first eight this season, which also broke a major league record. He finally slowed down on Sunday night and went just one 
for five. So the White Sox, again, lose three out of four. They will be going up to Seattle and the Angels will be staying home to play the red hot Houston Astros who uh, swept the Oakland Athletics up in Oakland in four games. So uh, Houston in first place at 4-0 and the Angels, of course, right behind them at 3-1. and As we move on to the L.A. Dodgers, uh, uh, Sunday's game was a big one for uh, Julio Urias. He goes the deepest he's ever pitched in a game, subbing innings, allowing no runs. And uh, talk about a rare feat at at Coors, especially for a guy that hasn't had a chance to pitch there very much. He became the seventh Dodger pitcher to toss seven plus innings and allow three or fewer hits in a start at Coors Field. The last one to accomplish that feat was Clayton Kershaw on July 4th, 2014. And the other five to accomplish it were Chad Billingsley, Greg Maddox, Channel Park, Kevin Brown, and uh, Hideo Nomo. Now, going back to the Dodgers 6-5 victory on Saturday, April 3rd, Zach McKinstry hit an inside-the-park home run in the eighth inning on, on, on Saturday, became the first Dodger player to hit an inside-the-park homer in his first for his first career homer since Duke Snyder back on May 2nd, 1948. McKinstry also became the first Dodger to hit an inside-the-park homer since Chris Taylor did it back on September 18th, 2017. Going back to Friday night's Dodger victory, it was 11-6 over the Colorado Rockies. The Dodgers wasted no time getting on the scoreboard as they did it with a relentless attack. The Dodgers had seven line drives in the first inning against the Rockies, the first time the Dodgers have accomplished that since April 22nd, 2011, which was against the Cubs. Five of the seven liners had an exit velocity of 92 miles an hour or higher. And then the opening day loss, which was eight to five Colorado and Clayton Kershaw just really struggled in this one after a rough spring, Clayton Kershaw struggled in his, in his first start, he allowed 10 or more hits for just the eighth time in his career. Three of those eight games have come at Coors Field. So after the Dodgers lost eight to five in the uh, opener in Colorado, they went on to win their second game, 11 to six, the third game, six to five, and their fourth game, four to two. Uh, Jansen picked up the save uh, over the weekend on Saturday. He had a, a really nice outing and went over an inning, by the way, looked really good. The velocity was up. And uh, and then he got the rest and Corey Knable got the save on Sunday. A little bit of baseball news. Gonsolin goes on to the injured list with shoulder inflammation, with shoulder inflammation. Not sure to this point uh, how long he is expected to be out. So the Dodgers off to a very good start. They are three and one. And uh, we'll be they're going to be playing the Oakland A's now. So the 0 and 4 A's and the three and one L.A. Dodgers will be meeting Next. Now to move on to the San Diego Padres. Been a, a an interesting weekend. The Padres were very dominant in three of the games. They are also three and one, like the LA Dodgers. Uh, but there's been a little bit of concern for, for uh for Fernando Tatis Jr., who has made four errors in the first four games of the season. Last year in the entire 60 game set Tatis only made three errors and we all thought he got robbed of, uh, 
getting the gold glove. But this year, a uh, couple throwing errors that just didn't seem like he was right defensively. And then he made another, uh, like with the error today that he made, it was just on a throw that he really had no business making. There was, there was no reason to make the throw. He forced it, and it was another big error. A little bit of concern, as we know, Chris Paddock had a really tough couple months last year, and uh, he was not able to build off of what uh, the Padre pitchers have done so far here in the first few games of the season. He struggled through four innings. He did only allow uh, two earned runs. Uh, one earned run, one of the runs was unearned due to the Tatis error. But again, Paddock only made it through four innings. The Diamondbacks won the Sunday afternoon game at Petco Park three to one. But uh, going back and looking at uh, the first three games, the Padres took all three and uh, a wild home opener. That was a lot of a lot of fun, a back and forth game. You Darvish uh, did not look good in that game, uh, but the Padre bullpen, uh, you can already tell just here through the first few games is definitely going to be one of their strengths. Tatis off to a slow start with the bat, but he did hit his first homer on Sunday a 465-foot blast. So big, big uh, home run for Tatis. I'm sure he'll just need to kind of find that rhythm and, and get into things. Looking at some of the Padre starters so far, so Tatis had a two-hit game on Sunday, raising his average to 188. Uh, Cronenworth, after an 0-4 Sunday, still at 333. Machado, off to a slow start, hit a big homer on Saturday, but he's hitting 214. Eric Hosmer remains hot, 636 average through his first four games. He's actually played and started in three of them. Uh, Tommy Pham, 231. Will Myers doing well at 308. Uh, Profar off to a nice start after a terrible spring. He had another two-hit game on Sunday. He's at 429. And um, the uh, pitching staff also wanted to look at uh, Kella, who's pitched in a couple games now. Uh, He looked really dominant in both of his appearances, had another uh, two-strikeout. Perfect one, two, three inning. Trevor Williams had a perfect inning. Chrisman had a perfect two innings. Uh, the Padre relief looking really, really strong. And Tommy Pham also on Sunday picked up his first stolen base of the year. So that uh, hamstring appears to be healthy as he's uh, back on the base pads running again. So good news for the Padres all around. Again, a big, big weekend for them. They take three out of four at home against Arizona and now the San Francisco Giants come into town starting on Monday, a couple night games, Monday and Tuesday, and then a Wednesday afternoon game for the Padres and the San Francisco Giants. Wanted to take a look at a few injuries around the league. Tim Anderson of the White Sox shortstop left Sunday night, seven to four loss at Angel Stadium with left hamstring tightness is what Tony LaRusse is calling it. He will be day to day and uh, LaRusse seemed hopeful that it would not be an extended absence. They're hoping they caught him, caught it and got him out on time. Michael Brantley of the Astros. He was taken out of Saturday's game after being hit on the right wrist by a pitch in the second inning. Manager Dusty Baker's hopeful that the veteran field uh, left fielder will be back in the lineup Tuesday against the Angels. Uh, Chad Pinder, Ramon Laureano, and Mike Fires all going down for the Oakland A's. They are in trouble. Pinder had to come out of Oakland's game against the Astros on Sunday after crashing into the right field wall while making a great leaping catch in the first inning. So he appeared to injure his back 
The exact injury, though, is not immediately known. Loriano, who has been sidelined since Friday with a jam left wrist that he suffered on a diving attempt to beat out a play at first base, is hoping to return to the lineup on Monday or Tuesday. And Fires, meanwhile, is progressing from a lumbar strain that forced him to go on the IL, and he's scheduled to throw three innings in a simulated game against the Giants. Uh, alternate training site, hopefully on Monday. Mike Fires says he's targeting the end of April for his return. Robbie Ray, Nate Pearson, Thomas Hatch all out for the Blue Jays, but they're trending in the right direction and they're all hoping to be back soon. Uh, K. Uh, K. Brian Hayes of the Pirates has pulled from Saturday's game uh, after uh, he was also hit on the left wrist, but his x-rays came back na- negative, just a, some inflammation. Uh, but the rookie third baseman is going to go on the 10-day Injured list, uh, Austin Hayes on the Orioles, the Red Hot Orioles. He exited the game at Fenway Park due to right hamstring di- hamstring discomfort after delivering a two-run double in the seventh inning. Uh, he appeared to injure himself on a dive back to second base off of um, Enrique Hernandez's throw on a ball that was hit to center field. So we don't know how bad he's going to be out. Eduardo Rod- uh, Rodriguez of the Red Sox, their opening day starter, Uh was supposed to be their opening day starter. He ended up with left elbow inflammation. He did throw four innings in a simulated game on Friday. And Alex Cora said, uh, manager Alex Cora said the club is close to making a decision on what the next step is for his recovery. He's doing very well. Uh, Josh Donaldson of the twins goes on the 10 day injured list with a mild right hamstring strain. He suffered that injury in the first inning of opening day while running the bases, trying to get a double, uh, Sonny Gray and uh, Nick Senzel, they're on the injured list. Gray because of back spasms, and uh, he did pitch an inter-squad game, reported no problem. Sonny Gray hoping to be back by mid-April. Nick Senzel exited with a left shoulder injury and an MRI that was taken showed no serious damage. And then finally, looking at the Diamondbacks, Nick Ahmad, Ahmed, Cole Calhoun, Zach Gallen. Ahmed was placed on the 10 day DL or 10 day IL with right knee inflammation and Calhoun had right knee surgery. He ran 180 yards worth of bases and was scheduled to get six at bats in a backfield game Friday night. So his return is imminent and Zach Gallen with the right forearm hairline fracture somehow is going to try to avoid surgery here. He threw a 39 pitch bullpen session Wednesday came out of it fine. And he's going to try to pitch a simulated game sometime in the next few days. So he may end up being, being okay. So that is good news there. Uh, taking a look at uh, just some of the craziness going on uh, through the first weekend in the, uh, in the baseball standing. So take a look at this, the Baltimore Orioles, they are three and Oh, they sweep the Boston Red Sox who were zero and three Toronto and Tampa. They both go two and one and the Yankees go one and two. In the NL Central, the Tigers, the Royals, the Twins off to good starts. They're all two and one. Indians one and two. And of course, the White Sox, who we talked quite a bit about earlier, one and three. In the AL West, Houston off to a four and zero start. Angels off to a three and one start. Seattle two and one. Texas one and two. And the Oakland Athletics just terrible. Zero uh, and four. They've scored nine runs while giving up thirty five. Ouch. You know who looked really good this week in the National League East? The Philadelphia Phillies. They go to 3-0 and 
with their sweep of the Atlanta Braves. They held the Atlanta Braves to three runs in three games. And what's crazy is Atlanta held the Phillies to nine runs in three games, but the Phillies won all three. So they're 3-0. Washington and the New York Mets, they're going to be finally starting their season here uh, today. Miami 1-2. and two. And of course, Atlanta 0-3. Looking at the NL Central, the Reds and Cubs 2-1, Brewers, Pirates, Cardinals 1-2. And, and looking at the uh, NL West, it's the Dodgers and Padres 3-1, Giants 1-2, Rockies and Diamondbacks 1-3. We will be, or I will be giving you my first power rankings on my next episode. I wanted to get through a week's worth of games, and then we're going to start doing that, that uh, MLB rankings every week. And we're also going to be doing some uh, player rankings and some other fun stuff uh, throughout the season, which I would love again to get you guys involved in. So those are the standings after just a few games into the season. Now let's go to one of my favorite segments that I love doing on this or that that I've only done once, but I love doing and uh, can't wait to do this on every show. And is this day in baseball history. So we're going to start in 1970. A delayed president, Richard Nixon, is unable to throw the ceremonial first pitch in the Senators' home game at RFK Stadium. David Eisenhower, his son-in-law, and the grandson of former president, throws out the first pitch prior to Washington's 5-0 loss to the Tigers. Moving up a year to 1971, Giant center fielder Willie Mays, a month shy of his 14th birthday. Homers, I'm sorry, 40th birthday. Homers on opening day and will hit homers in the next three games to tie a major league record. The Say Hey Kid will hit 15 round trippers before the All-Star break, collecting only three more to finish the year thanks to, to year thanks to receiving an abundance of base on balls, a lot of walks. 30 more walks this season than he had at any other time in his career. Uh, 1973, Richard Nixon becomes the first president to throw the ceremonial first pitch on opening day in a contest held outside of Washington, D.C. The commander in chief does the honors before Nolan Ryan and the Angels beat the Royals at Angel Stadium, Anaheim Stadium 3-2. Of course, Richard Nixon is from Orange County. Uh, Moving up a few years here, we're going to move up to... Let's see. How about 1982? A massive spring snowstorm brings sub-freezing temperatures across the Northeast, causing the postponement of home openers for the Yankees, Tigers, White Sox, Brewers, Indians, Phillies, and the Pirates. So a lot of snowed out games. You don't see see that too often, uh, especially, you know, uh, in spring. We seem to get that more more snow and that kind of weather typically towards uh, the end of October in the playoffs. We've had some cold weather and some snow. Uh, and then looking at, uh, let's move up to how about 2009 in front of a sold out crowd at the Metro dome, Ken Griffey jr. hits a record tying eighth opening day Homer in his first game back with the Mariners since being traded before the start of the 2000 season. The kid's historic home run, a sixth inning blast off Francisco Lariano, ties him with Hall of Famer Frank Robinson, who established the mark playing for the Indians in 1975 during his first at-bat as Major League Baseball's first black manager. 
pretty cool. Moving up a little bit more. How about we go to 2016? Not a good day for the Padres. Their 7-0 loss at Petco. I believe I was there. <laughs> the Padres became the first team to be shut out in the first three games of the regular season, surpassing the dubious mark set by the Browns, who opened the 1943 campaign with 26 straight scoreless innings. San Diego also dropped their first two decisions of the three-game series against the Dodgers, 15 to nothing and three to nothing. So not a lot of fun there for the uh, for the San Diego Padres. Now we're going to move on to some fun trivia for the Dodgers, Padres and Angels. And we're going to start today with some Dodger trivia. And let's see how smart you guys are. Our first question today for the Dodgers which pitcher was known for his distinctive tornado pitching windup and delivery? Was it Don Sutton, Takahishi Saito, Hideo Nomo, or Don Drysdale? I think this is a pretty easy one. The answer is Hideo Nomo. And he did have that awesome uh, tornado windup. That was a lot of fun to watch. Um, Here's a fun one. Which Dodgers Hall of Famer had more strikeouts than innings pitched? Again, which Dodgers Hall of Famer had more strikeouts than innings pitched? Don Drysdale, Roy Campanella, Sandy Koufax, or Jim Bunning? I'm going to go with Sandy Koufax on this one. Sandy Koufax, Trevor Hoffman, Randy Johnson, Pedro Martinez, and Nolan Ryan are the only five pitchers elected to the Hall of Fame who had more strikeouts than innings pitched. Interesting stat there. Thought that was fun. That was a fun one. Which Dodger won the very first national MLB Rookie of the Year award? Jim Gilliam, Joe Black, Don Newcomb, or Jackie Robinson? That's a good one. I'm going to go with Jackie Robinson. 1947, the legendary second baseman won the inaugural award. So again, Jackie Robinson in 1947. Which Dodgers pitcher was the first recipient of the Cy Young Award? Johnny Padres, Don Drysdale, Sandy Koufax, or Don Newcomb? I think that one's a pretty easy one, too. I got this one right. Don Newcomb was the first pitcher to win the Rookie of the Year, Most Valuable Player, and Cy Young Awards during his career. This distinction would not be achieved again until 2011 when Detroit Tigers pitcher Justin Verlander, who was Rookie of the Year in 2006, won the Cy Young and MVP Awards. And last but not least, actually, you know what? I'm going to give you a couple more. Wait. Give you a couple, two more. Which Dodger holds the team record for career stolen bases? Maury Wills, Juan Pierre, Eric Young, or Davey Lopes? And the answer is Maury Wills, who stole 490 bases as a Dodger and is credited with reviving the stolen base as part of baseball strategy. And here's my last question of the night. Which 
Dodger holds a team record for career home runs. Gil Hodges, Eric Karros, Jackie Robinson, or Duke Snyder. Think about that one for a second. Again, which Dodger holds a team record for career home runs? Gil Hodges, Eric Karros, Jackie Robinson, or Duke Snyder? The answer is Duke Snyder, who finished his major league career with a lifetime 295 batting average, 2,116 hits, 1,259 runs, 407 homers, and 1,333 ribbies. So hope you enjoyed that Dodger trivia tonight. Now it's time for the Padre trivia for you Padre fans or baseball fans who think you know everything. Let's see how well you do here. Which player stole 70 bases for the San Diego Padres in a single season? Tony Gwynn, Alan Wiggins, Gene Richards, or Ozzie Smith? Again, which player stole 70 bases in a single season? The answer from 1984, second baseman Alan Wiggins. He scored 106 runs, stole 70 bases, and he led the league with 391 putouts. Next question. After joining the MLB in 1969, how many consecutive seasons did the Padres finish in last place? 12, 6, 8, or 10? And the answer to that, the Padres finished in last place in each of their first six seasons in the NL West, losing 100 games or more four times. Not fun there. Here's a fun one, though. Which pitcher holds the franchise single season record for both wins and losses? Again, which pitcher holds the franchise single season record for both wins and and losses. The the uh, answer choices are Randy Jones, Clay Kirby, Gaylord Perry, or Steve Arlen. This was an easy one for me. Randy Jones, 1974. He went eight and 22 with a 4.45 ERA, and that set the team record for losses. Two years later, in 1976, he went 22 and 14 with a 2.74 ERA, setting the team record. For wins. So your answer there is Randy Jones. And this one, guys, is just if you don't get this one right, you don't know baseball. You certainly are not a Padre fan. (laughs) So uh, the question here, who holds a single season franchise record for saves? Well, obviously, well, Heath Bell, Mark Davis, Trevor Hoffman or Kirby Yates. Uh, Obviously, the answer to this is the gentleman who's got the second most saves all time, Trevor Hoffman. And and Trevor Hoffman, in 1998, he began coming out to ACDC's Hell's Bells, if you remember that. And he became became Trevor time. His ERA and save, and save situations that year was 0.49. Again, Trevor Hoffman, in, 2018, in, in 1998, he had 54 save attempts. He saved 53 of them. And his ERA in save situations, 0.49. Amazing. And uh, boy, I was so happy to get to see some of his, so much of his career in person. That will do it for Padre trivia. And let's go do a little Angels trivia. And you know, I got stumped on one question tonight, and it's this one. And let's see if you get it. Who was the first Angel rookie 
to start in an all-star game. Again, who is the first Angel rookie to start in an all-star game? Willie Frazier, Wally Joyner, Tim Salmon, or Mike Trout? The answer is Wally Joyner. During his rookie season, Joyner became a fan favorite and briefly inspired a sensation in which Anaheim Stadium was dubbed the Wally World. At the end of the 86 season, Joyner was the runner-up in the voting for Rookie of the Year. Of course, he lost to Jose Canseco that year. Which Angels pitcher set a Major League season record for saves in 2008? Jose Arandondo, Darren Oliver, Francisco Rodriguez, or Justin Spire? And that answer is K-Rod Francisco Rodriguez. On September 13, 2008, while facing the Mariners, he recorded his 58th save of the season, which set a new MLB record. He would finish the regular season with 62 saves that year. Um, it was a phenomenal year for K-Rod. The funny thing is he actually blew seven games that year. He was 62 of 69. Uh, here's a good one. Who did the Angels trade for Nolan Ryan in 1971? Andy Messersmith, Dave LaRoche, Jim Fergosi, or Tommy Reynolds? The answer to that, Jim Fergosi. On December 10th, 1971, the 25-year-old Nolan Ryan was traded to the California Angels along with pitcher Don Rose, catcher Francisco Estrada, and outfielder Leroy Stratton, or Stanton, excuse me, for shortstop Jim Fergosi, who later managed... Nolan Ryan in Anaheim. The deal has been cited as one of the worst in Mets history. And we thank you for that. <laughs> Who got the final out of the 2002 World Series to give the Angels their first championship? Tim Salmon, David Eckstein, Garrett Anderson, or Darren Erstad? I'm going to go with Darren Erstad. Erstad hit a key home run in game six of the series with the Angels trailing 5-3 in the eighth and facing elimination, and he also caught the final out of game seven, which was hit by Kenny Lofton to center field off of Angel closer Troy Percival. Who holds the single-season franchise record for RBIs? Tim Salmon, Don Baylor, Vladimir Guerrero, or Garrett Anderson? The answer to that is the late Don Baylor. He was the MVP 1979. He led the AL with 139 RBIs and 120 runs scored. And our final Angel Trivia question tonight, and our final baseball question of the night, which pitcher threw the first no-hitter for the Angels? Ken McBride, Bo Belinsky, Nolan Ryan, or Clyde Wright? The answer here is Bo Belinsky. He had a career record of just 28 and 51, but he threw the first no hitter in the history of the LA Angels and the first one at Chavez Ravine, Dodger Stadium, beating the Baltimore Orioles 2 0 on May 5th, 1962. And that is it for your baseball trivia. I really, really hope you've enjoyed this podcast. I'm uh, going to be, obviously, tonight's about, I don't know, 45-minute show, something like that. I'm trying to keep all the shows between about 45 minutes to an hour. I don't want to uh, drag out the show. I want to really get to the nuts and bolts and 
and get you guys all the fun information. But again, I am going to be expanding the show a little bit. We're going to be starting some segments soon. We're going to start having some interviews soon. And one more time, guys, please uh, hit me up on Twitter. Hit me up on Instagram. I really want this show to be interactive and I can't do it unless I'm hearing from you guys. I would love to have you guys come on the show. I would love to do some segments with you. So please, if you're interested, reach out to me on Twitter at podcast. I'm sorry, at podcaster Bobby B. Or you can reach me on Instagram at ATD with Bobby B. Either one, hit me up and I will get you on the next show. We'll do maybe a little trivia segment and we'll talk a little fair foul. I have a bunch of cool things planned. I just got to get you guys involved and get you guys to call in. And uh, other than that, that will do it for this episode. Um, Don't forget, if you are uh, following our Southern California teams, uh, the next few games before our next podcast, it's going to be the Padres and Giants at Petco Park. It will be the Angels and the Houston Astros at Anaheim Stadium. And it's going to be the Dodgers and the A's up at the Oakland Coliseum. That covers all your California teams because obviously the Giants are going to be in San Diego. So we'll be talking about all these California teams on our next show. I can't wait to talk with you about it. I hope you guys have a wonderful, wonderful start to your week. And again, thank you from the bottom of my heart to anyone who has been listening to to my podcast. Please share it with your friends, share it with your family. I really, really want to build this up and make something out of this. My passion for this is is through the roof. And with your help, I believe that this show can be a success. So please, again, share around the diamond with your friends and family. And I cannot wait to bring you the next episode. God bless. Again, hope everybody had a great Easter. And I will see you guys in just a few days.